Today is Friday, March 4th. The title for our devotional is The Truth in a Life-Changing Community. In closing this week, remember I said earlier that I'm going to be doing most of the application here today. A life-changing community is one in which we can and should speak the truth to each other. Ephesians 4.25 says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. To be united in a community requires a commitment to the truth. There are a few disturbing trends in our culture that prevent a community from life change. First is the lack of desire to know the truth. Just as those of the church in Ephesus were always, quote, learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth, there is a tendency toward valuing agnosticism. Claiming not to know or have decided on the truth of something is an easy way of avoiding the anger and polarization that one will receive from the other side by choosing a side. Of course, there's nothing wrong with re-examining or not feeling settled in a matter. However, we must be aware if this is a way of avoiding the topic entirely or avoiding the consequences of having to come to a decision. In this vein, it is very easy in our culture to exist in a silo of our own opinions and never have our views challenged. We can curate our social networks and our social circles to only people who agree with us about everything. In this setting, we're no longer challenged to seek truth, but we only have the things that we have already believed reinforced. This is an injustice to the truth, and we will not grow. We will not be a life-changing community around truth. The church is a place is to be a place where we are committed to the truth of Scripture, and this may mean having our previously held views challenged from time to time, but on the other end, coming out with a more true, more clear picture of the truth of Jesus, who he is, and what Scripture truly says. Second, speaking the truth to one another implies a mutual commitment to the truth and a common source of the truth. For example, when Jack speaks the truth to Phil, these are hypothetical people, That his belief in democratic lizard people is misguided, it helps to assume that Phil cares to know that the truth of the matter. To convince him, Jack will have to first convince Phil that his sources are trustworthy. Phil takes QAnon as a reliable source and Jack does not. Jack will likely find that Phil frankly doesn't really care if it is true or not, as long as it accomplishes what he wants it to accomplish. In this hypothetical instance, the diminishing of the humanity of the lizard people. For Christians, we must be committed to the truth because Jesus is the truth and our source for the truth is found in scripture. In the same vein, we see in politics, especially a tendency to deny the truth, even when all of the evidence points towards it being true. This will not do for Christians. We must be committed to the truth even when it hurts or it reflects poorly on us individually or as a church. What we've learned from the recent stories of of fallen high-profile Christian leaders is that your sin will find you out and the truth will come to light. When it does, the fallout will be worse after a, corrupt, after a cover-up attempt. Mike Bro, a former teacher teaching pastor at Willow Creek under Bill Hybels, shared this after suppressing the truth about Bill Hybels for years. He said, quote, And while it's absolutely true that the truth will set you free, it's also true that it can make you miserable for a while. But here's what I know. Truth always leads to growth and freedom on the other side. King David certainly became aware of this after his sin with Bathsheba. He had thought he had gotten away with it until the prophet Nathan called him out for it and the consequences were severe. Third is the relationship between truth and character. 
Remember in our text this week, in order to support the truth of his teaching to Timothy, Paul called him to remember his character. This can be a tenuous relationship. I formerly overlooked me personally in my story. I had formerly overlooked many of the character flaws from teachers like Mark Driscoll, James McDonald, and Robbie Zacharias, and doubted the accusations levied against them because their teaching was true. Yet after the truth of the accusations came to light, it didn't make their teaching less true. So we must maintain some separation. So if the leader's character falls, the truth doesn't fall with it. Yet, we must not overlook serious character flaws because they are speaking the truth. This is not easy to do. Yet, a balance many of us have been forced to wrestle with over the years. Fourth, we must learn to recognize the grace of God in ourselves and one another. Remember, Paul recognized the grace of God in choosing Peter, John, and James to be leaders of the church. Peter, James, and John then recognized the grace of God on Paul and Barnabas' ministry as well. This is so vitally important to maintain a community centered on truth-telling and truth-finding. It's hard to overstate this. Your knowledge of the truth is ultimately a gift of God's grace, so there is no room to boast and lord it over others. That same grace of God may be given to unlikely people, in this case like a few lowly fishermen, to lead the church as well. Recognizing God's grace and acting accordingly, even in this context of truth, will lead us to humble, to humbly tell the truth and to pursue the truth together, to admit when we are wrong, and to pursue truth in community. All that said, an important practice in the Christian life that leads us to better truth-telling is repentance and confession of our sins to God and one another. When we confess our sins, we are telling the truth about ourselves. It's, it's practicing truth-telling in the hardest, most difficult context. This prevents us from developing an overinflated ego. An overinflated ego will lead us to overlook many of our flaws and even lead us to believing lies about ourselves. This previous Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, which marks the beginning of Lent. This is the season in the church calendar where we focus on repentance and confession leading up into Easter. I would encourage you to fast during this season leading into Easter. During your period of fasting, be sure to focus on confession and repentance. In doing this, we are practicing telling the truth about ourselves in the most intimate matters. This will humble us and lead us to becoming a community of life change toward the truth.